can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. everybody and welcome to testing thursdays with wayne i hope everybody's had a good week it is finally finally raining here in the mid-atlantic area after about almost a month of no appreciable rainfall whatsoever there might have been a sprinkle there was one very brief uh short-lived thunderstorm about a week and a half ago but as a result of the lack of rain, most of my lawn is now brown. A very pretty shade of brown, but grass should not be brown. It should be green. Anyhow, we are getting rain today, tomorrow, um, possibly over the weekend. Uh, who knows at this point, but things are looking a little brighter for my lawn and for all the flowers and whatnot that my wife and I take care of. So we'll see what happens. So what are we going to talk about today? Well... I got to thinking, you know, I've, I've done a few of these podcasts already, and, and I've hit a lot of the major topics, I think, um, gotten some good ideas from some from some of you all, um, and, and just as an aside, if you have any ideas for podcasts, please send them to talkingpools at gmail.com, uh, and they will be read and distributed out. Um, so much for the commercial. We recently got a question for Talking Pools podcast from Holtzman Pool Care regarding a calcium hardness test. Uh, when they do the calcium hardness test and they add their um, R-0010, the calcium hardness buffer, into the sample and then they uh, add the indicator like they should. And what happens is that little blue purplish pinkish balls appear in the sample kind of floating around and they don't know if the test is right or not. Well, what you're seeing, the, the little, little balls is calcium, excuse me, magnesium hydroxide forming. It's part of the normal chemical reaction because you've raised the pH of your sample so high. Remember, the higher the pH, the more metals come out of solution. Well, the good thing is that these little purple, blue, pinkish balls that are floating around do not interfere with the test. You have to kind of look beyond the little bubbles. So when you see the the sample go um, uh, a pretty sky blue, that's your endpoint, even though there might be floating floating uh, little balls inside the sample. This happens also very commonly if your um, sample, or rather your, your source water is from a well, or there's a lot of metals in the water to, from the get-go. But rest assured, what you're seeing is a normal chemical reaction. It's not technically an interference. And in the booklet that comes in the Taylor kit, 
I discuss this exact same situation under the most commonly asked technical questions. So I hope I've answered your question, you guys. Take care and have a great week. So, you know, it, it's kind of tough to, to pick a topic to talk about that I can, um, that, that I can relate to you all. And as I was setting this podcast recording up today, I thought, you know, I never really talked about uh, when to test and why to test. I, I know that sounds kind of odd, but, but hear me out on this one. You know, you, you buy a, a test kit or a test strip or whatever testing system you, you prefer to use, and you see all those tests inside the test kit, and an and uninformed uh, user um, might think that he or she needs to test all everything all the time, and you really don't. And that's, that's the key here is you, you don't have to do everything at once. Now, granted... You know, when I was working for Taylor, I'd love for you to do that because it meant more money coming into to the company. And, and of course, my 401k was was the recipient of that. But now that I'm retired, yeah, right now. So um, let's go over timing on testing because you don't have to do everything all at once. Um, in fact, some things you don't have to do surprisingly not often at all. So let's run down the most common tests that, that you should be doing. That's important. And how often they should be done. Now I'm going to be talking about uh, residential pools mostly because commercial pools are run by the, or, or, or not run by, but are, are overseen by health uh, state and local health departments. And the state may require testing frequency a little different than what you would do for a residential um, property. So I'm going to concentrate on residential stuff right now um, and, and deal with commercial maybe on a, on another podcast. In fact, I think I did already once, but anyhow, let's get back to residential stuff. So you, you have a pool. Congratulations. It's either the best day of your life or the worst day of your life. Um, so how often do you test things? Well, let's start right off the bat. Sanitizer. Uh, assuming it's chlorine and or bromine, uh, you should be testing that every day. Um, every day that the pool or spot is in use. And uh, whether it's a color matching test, a drop test, a test strip, doesn't really matter. Okay. But as long as you're doing it daily that the, that the uh, pool, I'm going to just say pool from now on, is in use. You should be testing the sanitizer because that, that's the key here. Uh, you want to make sure the water's safe for people to get in. Uh, all the organics are oxidized out and you can have fun in your pool. Then the next test. Uh, now, you don't, don't have to do these necessarily in order, but you know it, we're just hitting topics, hitting sections here. Um, would be pH. How often should a residential pool's pH be tested? Again, daily. Um, because pH is affected by a lot of things. Um, and, I mean, uh, you're talking about aeration, you're talking about uh, environment, um, sanitizer use. It, it, there's a, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. But it's always best to make sure that you test um, pH 
and sanitizer daily. Uh, and as a reminder, let's go over the ideal levels too. What's the ideal level for sanitizer? Well, if you're using chlorine, ideally um, one that uh, anywhere between one and four parts per million. It's really going to also depend on what your bather loads like, but um, two to four is, is is a good ideal range to shoot for. For pH, we all know that the ideal range for pH is 7.4 to 7.6. Acceptable is 7.2 to 7.8. Okay, so we talked about sanitizer. We talked about pH. Those are the, the two primary uh, tests that you should be doing daily, That the every day that the pool or spa is in use. What's the next test? Well, let's look at total alkalinity. Total alkalinity does not need to be tested every day. Uh, weekly is perfectly fine. And in fact, I've even told people seven to 10 days, depending uh, on bather load. Because alkalinity doesn't change really that much unless a treatment chemical is added to it, you've screwed up and you've added something you shouldn't have, um, things of that nature. But assuming that, you know, normal use uh, every seven to 10 days. Uh, remember, the ideal level for alkalinity, of course, is 80 to 120, as best as you can. Acceptable is 60 to 180 parts per million. Now, you may want to test for alkalinity more frequently if you had a party. Okay, In fact, all the, all the rest of the parameters, again, you should, you should be tested after a big influx of people. So if you had a great pool party Saturday afternoon that ran into the evening, uh, and you wake up the next morning a little hungover, and you look outside, and you go, I should test the water. Yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. Uh, if there's been a weather event, and I know Rudy on, on his podcast has talked about that, some other people too have, um, when there's been uh, heavy rainstorms, hurricanes, some other some other force of nature where there was a lot of water introduced into uh, the existing pool or spa that could affect the overall chemical uh, reading that you're, that you're testing for. Uh, but under normal operating circumstances for alkalinity, um, seven to 10 days is fine. Calcium hardness would be the next one. Um, ideal range, of course, is 200 to 400 parts per million. Acceptable is a minimum of 150 and there really is no maximum for hardness because of this thing called geography uh, and where you are located in the country um, will um, will overall define what your hardness is uh, in my area, in the Mid-Atlantic area. And I've told you, um, told you all this before. Out of the tap in my kitchen, which is about oh, 20 feet from where I'm sitting, uh, it comes out at about 50 parts per million, Baltimore City water. Uh, now, of course, that means I have to add calcium chloride to bump it up to 200 to 400 parts per million. But if I lived in Phoenix, I have the opposite problem. And Phoenix and the surrounding areas, you know, out of the ground, it could be 1,500 parts per million or higher. So be aware of that. But as far as testing frequency is concerned, again, it's not something you need to do daily, really not even anything you need to do weekly. Uh, monthly is probably fine or, you know, every, even I'd even say every six weeks, um, be, unless there's been, again, some kind of weather event or a big party, a lot of splash out, you do a lot of backwashing, which is a no-no, there's a leak, that kind of thing. 
but under normal operating environments, um, every four to six weeks is perfectly fine. Now, if you have an outdoor pool um, and you're on a stabilized form of chlorine, in other words, you're using cyanuric acid, how often should you test for it? Well, um, you, there are so many things and theories out there now as far as ranges for cyanuric acid. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always been a firm believer the uh, more is not necessarily a good thing. So the 30 to 50 part per million ideal range is, is what I usually stick with. I know there's other theories out there. I'm not going to address them right now. I'm talking about testing. How often should you test cyanuric acid? Well, that kind of flows along the same lines as calcium hardness. You don't have to test it every day, every week. Uh, once a, a month, once every six weeks is fine. I know some techs who actually go and just do it, you know, once a season, once every three months. That's a little too long for me. Uh, but But that's usually good enough, every four to six weeks. Again, more frequently if... Uh, there's a lot of backwashing to waste, leaks, splash out, lots of parties, th that kind of thing. That that would that would um, change dramatically change the the values that you're testing for. There's no other reason to. So um, generally speaking, same as calcium hardness, every four to six weeks is probably good. Now those are the basic tests. Um, three of them are, are part of water balance. Uh, water balance, you, of course, is pH, alkalinity, uh, carbonate alkalinity, uh, calcium hardness, the temperature of the water, and uh, TDS level. Temperature you may or may not have any control over, uh, so no need to really dive into that one. TDS you really don't have any control over, and, and as I've talked about before, TDS is pretty much just the buildup of anything that you've added to the water over the course of time. Um, TDS is something that really is not an issue unless it's been uh, years since the water's been changed out in the pool. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, one day you decide to drain the pool and refill it the next day. No, no, no. Doesn't, not quite work like that. There may be dilutions involved, you know, evaporation and all that, uh, radiant heat loss and, and, and water uh, loss. Uh, you, re, you, you know, add some water to fill up the pool, that kind of thing. That, that dilutes it too. But but let's just say you've never had to do any of those things. How often should you test for TDS? Honestly, I usually tell people once a year. It's probably not a bad idea just to get a rough idea of where you are and when you should start worrying. Generally speaking, you shouldn't let your TDS level get to be uh, any higher than 1,500 parts per million above your incoming TDS level. Um, example time at, at Baltimore City Water, where I am, our TDS is about 500 parts per million on an average, which means I could go up to 2,000 parts per million on the water in my pool before I would consider doing something about it. And what's doing something about it? Well, the only way to get rid of TDS is to drain and, and refill with water of a lesser amount. Um, now, with water, uh, TDS levels, where the water's been in there for a long time, long time, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, I know of some people who've never changed their water in 20 years, you know the TDS level is going to be high. Um, if you uh, are a um, service person and you have a new client, 
or you start taking clients in an area that you're not familiar with their incoming water, do a TDS test because that way you get a good start. Um, you, you'll know where your starting point is so you can adjust it accordingly. Um, but generally speaking, again, no more than 1,500 parts per million above your incoming. Now, there is a, an asterisk behind that little sentence. If you're dealing with uh, chlorine generators, saltwater systems, you want to take that 1,500 number that I was just mentioned and add that to the required salt level to get your maximum amount of TDS uh, before you have to do something like draining. So, for example, say you have a chlorine generator and the salt requirement is, make my life easy, 3,000 parts per million. Um, and, and that's fine. Uh, but you would take that 3,000 and add 1,500 to it to get your max TDS. So that would be 3,000 plus 1,500 is 4,500. Pretty simple math. Okay. That leads us to the next question, salt testing, because salt systems are, are, are becoming increasingly more popular, and I really like them. Yes, I know I've told you that before, but I do. Um, how often should you test your salt level? Well, again, it's going to kind of depend on your bather load and, and what's happening with the pool. Usually, I, I tell people uh, once a week is good enough unless there's been a lot of um, backwashing, splash out, rain events, big parties, things like that, then you, then you want to retest it. But generally speaking, um, once a week is probably good enough. In fact, you might even get away with a little bit more longer than that if, you, if the pool isn't heavily used. Uh, but at, at least once a week, if it's a you know, normally used pool um, saltwater system, um, just to make sure that you're at the right salt level so that you're producing the right amount of hypochlorous acid, which is, of course, the good stuff. That's what you want in the water. You're chlorine, you're free chlorine that's going to kill and oxidize. What about some of the other tests? Well, some of the other tests that you might encounter, things like phosphates, iron, copper, those kind of tests, that, you know, metals, things like that. You don't need to test for them on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. They're more of a, uh-oh, when it happens kind of test. And then you, then of course you test the water, but you, there's no frequency of uh, how often you should test for it. It's only, you know, uh-oh, there might be a problem. Let me go test the water kind of deal. Then do the test. Uh, but you don't have to wait, you know, a week, two weeks, a month to, to do the test. Um, there are other tests too, um, um, some a little bit more extravagant. Now, let me let me tell let me talk a little bit about commercial properties. Um, uh, again, you're 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 governed, you're beholden to the state or local health department as to how often you need to test for various parameters. Most states will have slight variations on the theme as far as fre frequency for testing for sanitizer and pH. In Maryland, uh, it's every two hours the facility is open if it's a commercial property. Uh, in some other states, it might be twice a day. In some states, it might be once a day. Um, but generally speaking, it's, it's at least once a day for sanitizer and for pH. Uh, some states don't have any regs. Uh, they follow what um, the Model Aquatic Health Code recommends or CDC or, or some other 
body um, that that recommends um, certain levels for certain parameters. But generally speaking, it's primarily sanitizer and pH. Um, some states actually uh, go a step further and have a requirement for alkalinity and calcium hardness. There's not many. I can only think of about two or three right off the top of my head. I want to say Georgia is one, but I'm not 100% on that one. Um, but, yeah, the, the, um, the, the states will tell you how often something needs to be done. Um, I do like the fact that some states um, make you also test for alkalinity and sometimes hardness. I like that because that means they're, they're on top of things. Uh, but, you know, again, if you're not sure check with your uh, local state um, and, and, and or um, um, county, you know, jurisdiction, whatever uh, has your health codes in. If you're not sure, you can do a couple things. You have some options. One, you can call your local health department uh, or go to their website, and I'm sure they're going to have it printed somewhere. Uh, you could also go to pHTA.org. And uh, at the PHTA website, you have the ability to look up uh, your state and see what their state code is. They keep a, a library of all the states and their various uh, their various uh, codes for maintaining recreational water, if you're not sure. But again, common sense, it, it, I know it's fleeting and for some people, but common sense tells you that, you know, you want to be aware of what the values are in your water because you want to make it safe for people to use and have fun in. And because of the way that things are, are, are pushed at us, sometimes we forget about the importance of, of testing the water and the chemistry involved. And, you know, you don't have to become a mad scientist like Rudy and me, <laughs> um, but uh, the, the, the significance of being able to, to test and to recognize if either your water is fine or, oh, there's something wrong, uh, you need to go someplace and get treatment product or maybe have them retest the water there to see what's going on. They can make a recommendation, things like that. So you want to make sure that that um, you're, you're testing, you're testing uh, correctly, number, number two, Three, you're testing the right parameter at the right time frame so you're not wasting product. Uh, and three, whatever system, testing system you're using, um, you want to make sure that it's reliable and that you trust the readings. Uh, too many fly-by-night companies out there uh, produce uh, poorly designed um, uh, test kits, test strips, things like that. They're made out of the country. They don't care. They're inconsistent with colors and things like that. I could go on another podcast probably. Probably I'd be my best one. Knockoffs. Test knockoffs. Um, but the importance is being able to test and to test on a fairly regular basis to make sure your water's fine and, and hunky-dory. So that's all I've got for today. Um, if you have any thoughts on topics you'd like me to talk about, um, I would be more than happy to hear from you all. You can send those questions and comments to talkingpools at gmail.com. And as a quick um, a little uh, plug, I guess you want you can call it, this Friday, and, and I'm frantically going to my emails to try to find it, 
is this Friday, I will be uh, a guest speaker um, uh, with a, a group of people called the Smooth Finished Podcast. They're a group of uh, men and women who talk about plastering issues uh, in our industry. And I'm going to be uh, a guest speaker, talk about chemistry and testing with them. I know that they're recording Friday. I don't know when that will be published, but the name of the group is Smooth Finish Podcasts. Um, so if you want to uh, hear my voice some more <laughs> instead of weekly, um, go ahead and do a search for them to find out when that will be published. I would assume it will be a week or so. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, in the same way, I, I had a great time um, being the third wheel uh, for our Talking Pools guys in Australia and New Zealand on their Mondays Down Under Talking Pools pod- podcast. Uh, Peter Wiedemann in, in Perth on the, on the western side of Australia and um, Shane uh, Snedden in New Zealand. Uh, that was an interesting uh, podcast because the time difference was rather significant. It was 12 hours and 10 hours, so actually I was talking to them from the future. <laughs> kind of weird. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to being a guest with these guys for um, Smooth Finish. And uh, next week, I will be back at you with Testing Thursdays with Wayne. Hope everybody has a wonderful week upcoming, and take care. Bye-bye. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 